Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Tonight's subject is the day spring is here to visit. The day spring is here to visit. And this title is taken from a actual specific phrase and a verse that we're going to read. And I often like to do that in my titles or descriptions of what I like to preach, just simply as a good reference point for all those listening to make a connection with the Bible and how the Bible phrases speak to us. Reading to you from Luke chapter number one, begin reading at verse number 67. Luke chapter one, begin reading at verse number 67. Bible says, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring, let me hear you say day spring, day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Can you say amen to the word of the Lord? Amen. The day spring, it is here to visit. Amen. I love Christmas. I can't help it when they put up that Christmas tree out there and on this platform, I can't help but talk about it. So sometimes, just depending on how early they get the Christmas decorations up, sometimes you'll get about six or seven messages (laughs) on Christmas. But that's all right, isn't it? The world needs to hear it. Amen. The message of Christmas does touch the hearts of sinners touches the hearts of the lost. Disciples are made this time of year. But you notice more so around the time of Easter, it is the death of our Lord is when there is usually a great harvest of lost sinners, newer disciples being made. And it's just simply because of of what Jesus said, if I would be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me. And that is what the cross is for. It is a picture of what, where, where we should have been and what should have been done to us, our punishment, our sins, but the Lord got on that cross for us and paid the price for that. Amen. Uh, Pentecost draws sinners, the power of it, the infilling of the Spirit 
And people are longing to have God intermingle and interact in their life. But Christmas just does draw the lost, but more so Christmas, I think, is already for those that believe and those who are actually hoping for salvation, for those that are looking for it and desiring it, those who are already longing to have redemption, longing to already be redeemed. And I think Christmas is important for the church because it makes our focus on God, yes, as a human being, but more so as a baby. Often when you think of Jesus, you think of him as an adult, or maybe you think of him as he is glorified in heaven, you know, with uh, uh, being in a transfigured, glorified body, the bright light that shines out of him and his fierce uh, countenance like fire. You know, sometimes we think of Jesus as a lamb. We often think of Jesus as a lion. We think of him as a, as a king. We think of him all these things, but from time to time, God wants us to think of him as a baby. Because a baby has its way of softening us up, right? It has its way for us to long to be innocent, for us to be gentle, and for us to be moderate around a little baby, and a lot of times for us to be quiet and just listen and watch that little sweet baby and just in awe of that baby. And as many of you know, I'm kind of coming off paternity leave, so I've got babies on my mind, praise the Lord. And that's all right, because the Christmas story is about a baby. I mean, you look at the Christmas story, it begins with the birth of two babies, right? John the baptizer and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not careful in reading your Bible, you can skip over the Christmas story and think, oh, that's just for Christmas time. But the birth of Jesus is not just the birth of our Messiah, but the fulfillment, rather, of prophecy. And you see that happening in the Old Testament, and you see prophecy surrounding his birth right after his name was given, after eight days in his circumcision. That happened with John as well. After John, his name was given in his circumcision. This is the prophecy we read of his father, and then you read later on. In the next chapter, the same thing happens to Jesus. But the birth of John and Jesus were both supernatural. In, uh, in their own unique ways. You think about this, Zacharias and Elizabeth were married and were very old. Joseph and Mary, however, were young. Zacharias and Elizabeth were married for many years, but barren. Joseph and Mary were not yet married, but pregnant. Zacharias prayed for children, but couldn't believe that he could have children when the angel told him not to doubt. You look at Joseph who considered putting away Mary because he didn't understand or believe or receive at that moment that what was in her was conceived of the Holy Ghost, but an angel appeared to him and told him, do not fear, but go ahead and marry her. The beginning of the New Testament is filled with uncertainty. It is filled with doubt. And it takes the sending of the angels of the Lord to proclaim where men ought to go and what ought to do, and even appearing to Joseph into dreams. I know Christmas is supposed to be that most perfect, happy, holy holiday time of the year, but you read the Bible story, the Christmas story, it is a very uncertain time. For Zacharias and Elizabeth, it looked like they would never have a child. It looked like it would never happen. The Lord would never answer their prayers. 
For Joseph and Mary, it looked like their relationship, the beginning of it would be a very rocky marriage. Who could understand this situation? But Mary said, with God, all things are possible. Praise God. The Christmas story is a reminder to the church, to all the believers, that if God said a baby would come, then a baby will come. If God said salvation would come, then salvation would come. If light would manifest, then light would manifest. Praise God. Zacharias prayed for a son for many years, but he doubted the prophetic declaration of the angel Gabriel. See, a lot of times you get caught up in prayer time, you get caught up in the worship service, and you know you just want to believe God for anything, and you just pray for it. But then somebody comes up to you a month later and says, I felt from the Lord to tell you that such and such is going to happen. And you look at them like, oh, don't you prophesy to me. Don't you dare speak into my life. I speak into my life. If you're going to believe God for it, then believe God to prophesy it too. If you're going to desire God to do something, then to believe God when he sends you a dream or sends you a prophetic word. Miracle. It's God's way of making sure things happen when they need to happen. God hears your prayers and he wants to make a declaration for it. Praise the Lord. And God gave Zacharias a son as an answer to prayer. Praise God. In the year 2016, or excuse me, in the year 2015 on Father's Day, I came forward and I was not yet a dad and I was praying and the Lord said to me, on Father's Day next year, you will embrace your firstborn child. And a year came in Father's Day 2016, I brought to church her very first service, my firstborn daughter. And I brought her up here to the front with tears rolling down my eyes, just an emotional mess. And I just thanked and praised God for not only fulfilling his word, but that her very first church service was Father's Day. I was such a proud dad. But can I tell you this, and it's just us here tonight, I wanted my firstborn to be a boy, right? Doesn't every dad? And uh, soon after that, our family went on summer vacation, and all the family was around the table, and there was our little, beautiful firstborn daughter. And now that she's five, I would, I would never have it any other way. I love, I love the way God has given me my children. But I was sitting there and I was looking down at my daughter there in the car seat and I was sitting next to dad and on the other side of him was my younger brother. And dad, that was the summer of 2016, he put his arms around my younger brother and myself and he said, thank you God for my two sons. And when dad said that, you know, the family's all laughing, we're all talking. And I tell you this, I stepped into a spiritual moment right there. And I stepped into a deep dimension of faith. And I prayed silently within myself. I didn't raise my hands and declare it out loud. I just prayed silently within myself. Lord, I would like to say that someday. I would like to have two sons. Just prayed it. Just simply right there. And I went back to finishing up dinner and enjoyed the rest of the vacation. And can I tell you this? Usually I write down my prayers. I usually write down what I feel of. on things. Can I tell you this? I kind of forgot about that in that moment. And I just kind of 
You know, my wife and I agreed we'd just be happy with whatever God gives us. You know, all children are, are a heritage of the Lord and they're, you know, and, and arrows in a man's quiver, right? You're just happy with just to have children. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Well, our next child was a boy, born February 2019, right in the beginning of our Finishing Strong campaign. We found out we were expecting earlier this year with our third child, and can I tell you this, everybody was predicting a girl. Even some of the most spiritual people in this church said, I believe it's going to be a girl. And I would just say, that's right. Yes, I'm excited, but deep down inside, I'm thinking, oh, I want it to be a boy. I want it to be a boy. I want it to be a boy. We went to the doctor to uh, find out what the baby would be. And I, I had my phone out, you know, and I'm recording the sonogram and I just had it in my mind. They're going to say, oh, it's a beautiful baby girl. It's a beautiful baby girl. That's what I've just been replaying in my mind. It's a girl. I'm going to have girl, boy, girl. Oh, that is definitely a boy. And I said, I know you are a professional, but I need you to be a million percent sure. She said, that is definitely a boy. About, I literally fell out of my chair. I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. And my mind went back right there in that moment there in the doctor's office to the summer of 2016. And God said, I heard your prayer at that moment. And that's why I'm giving you two sons. It wasn't too long after that. The doctor said, after measuring the baby, doing all of the tests and all of those things. And the doctor said, I'm thinking this baby is going to be born November 5th. And I, again, about fell out of my chair. God started talking to me. And that's what happened. That baby was born November 5th, our beautiful baby boy, our third child. What is interesting is my birthday is November 4th. My third born son, my second son, third born child, second born son is born a day after me. And God spoke to me in that moment and said, I'm giving if you know, my father is born on St. Patrick's Day. He's the luckiest preacher. And my brother, his second born son, his birthday is March 18th, the day after my father's. And the Lord said, I heard that prayer right then, right then and there in that moment and is assigned to you to give you exactly what I gave to your father. I now give unto you a second born son born the day after mine. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Christmas is a story of answered prayer. Just like the prophet Zechariah said, the prophets longed to see the day of the Lord's salvation when the Messiah would come and to deliver Israel of all their enemies. It was the desire that Abraham had to see it. It was a desire that David had to see it. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them, that out of Israel would one day come a deliverer, a ruler who would smite the nations and deliver Israel. 
And that prophecy is still there and it's in the works even right now, praise God. You know, the Lord said to Abraham, I swear by myself, on myself, that I will give you a great name. I will give you many descendants. I will give you a great land. I will prosper you. You know, back then they really didn't have paper to sign an agreement. They didn't really have contracts. But instead they would swear an oath upon something. Such as maybe they had 40 acres and a man would say, if I don't pull through with the deal, sir, the collateral is my 40 acres here. Or he would say something like a tree line or a field or, or this or that. And even sometimes they would say, if I don't pull through, you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. Things like that. You know, that's just how they did agreements. They would swear and put an oath on something. You know, what does God have to swear upon for Abraham? He wanted to make sure that Abraham believed that great promise. So he swore upon himself, meaning to Abraham that if God doesn't pull through with that promise for your name to be great, your descendants to be great, for you to have a great land and a great inheritance, I swear upon myself that if that doesn't happen, I will no longer be God. I will step out of heaven. I will walk away from my throne. I will no longer be God. Tried to do everything he could to destroy Jesus. And he tried everything he could to destroy Israel. And he's still trying to do it to this day. Why? Why? God, a liar. Because God has bound himself to an oath. And if he could ever get God to break that oath, he'll have to walk out of heaven. And the devil thinks if God vacates heaven, I can go up there and be God. I've got news for the devil. If God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if God promised it, that it's going to happen, it is going to happen. Last year, we had somebody in this church who'd been tearing for the Holy Ghost for a long time. And I was talking to them and just the words came to my mind. Ask them if they've been baptized in Jesus' name. And I did. And they said, of course. And I said, the Bible says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They're all separate, and they are. They're separate. Repent and be baptized. The Holy Ghost right up here in the Prophecy fulfilled. ...of angels. That is what surrounds this Christmas. It is not just about the gifts. It is not just about the family time. But it's God reaching out for his church saying to them, I have come to be a light to cast out all of the darkness so that you may see clearly and have your prayers answered. Can you say amen? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost with us here tonight. You know, God gave Zacharias a second chance. Gabriel didn't give him a second chance. Gabriel got offended at him and said, you're not going to talk for a long time. I've never known God to actually really do that. 
with the seriousness of this situation and this prophecy, I think it called for something like that to get Zacharias' attention. But I know this, that any time I have doubted, the Lord has sent in some ways a, almost like a famine in my life. Almost like things in my life being put on hold. Like I can't move forward. I can't progress. And it is only until I actually believe that I can move forward. That God gave Zacharias another chance. And right when he said to all of them, when they were wondering what his son's name would be, he said, his name shall be John. And the Lord took a silent voice, a man who was mute, and he spoke and prophesied this amazing prophecy about Jesus. He was not even born yet. He was the last one to prophesy the birth of Christ before he arrived. And he said all the things that many of the prophets foresaw that he would be the redeemer of Israel and he would cast out their enemies. To a degree, the Lord has already done that, but ultimately it will happen. As you read about in the book of Revelation, he will come and drive all of the enemies out of the land of Israel. Things in other series. And I do not feel to go into that right now, but I really want to focus on what God did for his church. Again, it says in this prophecy, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. He says he will be like a day spring. The birth of Jesus English word, and it's simply just a son. Only one to ever say anything like this. He said the birth of the Lord, our Messiah, when he arises, it'll be like a sunrise just coming for a visit. And because when the sun rises, once it's up, it's gone. It's like the sun just visits day after day. It arrives, it's there, and then it leaves. And that did happen with the Lord. He came for 33 years and then he ascended up into heaven. It was just like that. The birth of Jesus Christ is the beginning of the spiritual sunrise and the casting out of darkness in the spirit world here upon this earth. It didn't just stop there, but you look at his life Later on, the Lord would be called the day star or another name for the sun, the day star. And he has given us, like the word says, perfect gifts from above. And he has no variance and he has no shadow of turning. There will never be a sunset in the spirit world since Jesus Christ came. But it's nice during Christmas time to go back and to think about our Lord as a precious baby, just like a sunrise, the birth of the Messiah being like a sunrise. I don't know how our new little baby, our little baby Ezra has been getting all this sleep, but we haven't. And, and uh, it hasn't been as bad for me as, as you know, you understand. But there's been some nights where it's been difficult to sleep. 
And the other night, it had been a while since I'd seen a sun rise, since I saw a sun rise. You know, the sun only takes about 20 minutes to come up over the horizon. I used to think it took a lot longer, but recent, not too long ago, I timed it. And it's something the priest would stand before the Lord whenever the sun would come up. They would start singing the praises of the Lord as the sun would come up. That was their prayer time. As soon as they saw that sun begin to come up on the eastern horizon, they would pray with their hands stretched out. And once the sun was completely over the horizon, the prayers would stop and they would go and serve in the temple. And uh, I did my own little consensus. I've heard it for years. You know, you should pray an hour a day, pray an hour a day. I started studied the priest, and you know where they would pray in the morning? For just about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. However long it took for that sun to come up, that is when they would pray unto the Lord. And I did my own study, all the prayers of the Bible, and I prayed through all of them. And can I tell you this? The average of all the prayers of the Bible equal to about 20 minutes to pray them, including the Lord's Prayer. If you pray it right, it's about 20 minutes. That's what the Lord wanted us through this prophecy of Zechariah to think about Jesus. It is to be like a beautiful sunrise, the beginning of a new day, a fresh new season, a chance to get it right, a new time to start out. Being up at night is never fun. I don't know what it is. The nighttime being up, it's kind of creepy and eerie, especially when I was a kid and I had, you know, kids insomnia, teenage insomnia, whatever. It was never fun. You just always felt kind of terrified, you know, and even to this day, it's like, I wish I could just sleep. But sometimes your sleep comes from you. But all the worries that you may have at night, all of the troubles you may have at night, the stress in your life, what may be going on, I can't say that it goes away exactly, but there's just something about when you see the sunrise, having been up most of the night, you take that first breath of fresh air and seeing that sun comes up and you realize a new day is coming and I've got another chance to get it right. That is the message that Jesus wants to give this Christmas, that there is a chance to get it right again. A new day has come. And Zechariah got a second chance. He doubted the Lord. Didn't believe God could answer his own prayers. But the Spirit filled him and he prophesied about this Messiah that he would be like a day spring coming down from heaven to visit this world. Yes, he would redeem Israel, he would cast the enemies out of Israel. He would arise as a son of David and liberate them and give them their land, their earthly territory. And that's their promise. That's what God gave to Abraham. But for us, the church, God never promised us an eternal inheritance here upon this earth. Oh, no. But our spiritual inheritance is in heaven, New Jerusalem. And our inheritance is here on the new earth. Praise the name of the Lord. And all that began with the birth of a baby. God did not descend as a full-grown man, but he came into this world like you and I do as a child. When you look in the face of that baby, it is God saying to you, I'm giving you another chance to get it right. Praise God if the musicians would please come. 
I feel like right now we have come to the midpoint of COVID-19. Others are saying that, others are preaching that, and of course we don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I feel like many of us have put a lot of our prayers and a lot of our desires on hold because of this virus and because of the political uncertainty that we are in. It's almost like it's because if we don't know what tomorrow brings, therefore God can't answer our prayers. I think psychologically we feel sometimes as a church that if we don't have direction of what comes next, then our prayers can't be answered. You know, if the calendar's not perfect, the prayers can't be answered. It's like we feel like if we don't have consistency in our lives, our prayers can't be answered. Let me tell you this, God has not been affected at all by this pestilence. You know, last year when everything was heavily regulated, you know, we were all standing six feet away from each other. You know who never social distanced himself was Jesus. He was always right there. He was always right there up close. And you know what? He never wore a mask either. <laughs> oh no, that mask came off. And you know what? As he breathed upon the disciples, he was still breathing his spirit upon the people. Praise God. Don't think for one minute that God has stopped answering prayers. Don't think for one minute that God hasn't heard prayers, even though things are uncertain. And we're going to come through this, and I thank God for it. It's going to be better for us. But God still hears our prayers. He heard the prayers of Zacharias when he was young, desiring a child. And God waited to the last moment of his life and gave him that child. Even though he doubted it, even though he didn't believe it, even though he was silenced, God still looked back and looked past all of that and gave him another chance. And he looked past all of the doubt and all of the fear and the worry and he answered his prayer. You know, sometimes I think that if we're not in church, God doesn't hear prayers. I was in a restaurant. I didn't even open my mouth. It was just right there quick while my dad was giving me a hug. And I just said, God, I'd like to have two sons like my dad someday. And miraculously, with a supernatural sign, God answered that prayer. That's how powerful our God is. And that's how keen he is. He puts his ear when you call out to him, whether it's through an open prayer or a silent prayer. Sometimes when you're just laying down to sleep and you think about something you want from God, he hears those thoughts or rising up. I tell you what. God is consistent. You know, the sun, ever since God, thousands of years ago, said to the sun, this is your path. This is how earth is going to move around you. This is how it's going to be. This is how geocentrism is going to be. This is how it's all going to be. The earth, the moon, the sun has never disobeyed God. It has remained consistent throughout time. And that is how Jesus is. He is consistent all throughout time. And as beautiful as the sun is going to rise tomorrow, and I tell you what, if you, if you ever drive past here on your way to work in the morning, come, come a little early. 
and just park up here on the hill and watch the sun rise on the eastern sky. I've done it many times when I get here before the sun rises up. And from time to time, I like to get out and stretch out my hands like the priest and watch the sun arise and pray for 20 minutes and just watch that sun come up. When you see that, it's a reminder that Jesus Christ as a newborn baby is an answer to prayer. And he came to bring us newness. He came to bring us a fresh start. And he came to cast the darkness out of this world. Darkness is not fun when you're trying to get somewhere. It is not fun when you're on a long journey. Your headlights on your car go out at night and you'll be praying for some light to come. You know, you're walking through the house looking for a midnight snack. You bang your toes on, oh, you, you wish for some light. That's what Jesus came to be for us. A light for our feet to find peace. He came to shine light and to cast out the darkness for you and I to find joy and to find contentment. That's why Jesus came to be our Savior. And I just feel like somebody needs to feel like a sunrise is coming your way. For some of you, you have felt so dark the past few weeks and months. You feel like you're far from God. You feel like you're distant from God. You feel like you don't even have the words to say like Zacharias. Can I tell you this? Tonight is your night for your prayer and prophecy to return to your mouth. For you to foresee and to speak and to foretell what God intends to do in your life and in your family. And if you desire these things, I invite you to stand with me tonight. And let's come around this altar, amen, and pour out our hearts to our day spring. Pour out our hearts to our sunrise, our Lord Jesus Christ who has come to give us something new and something fresh this Christmas season. It's an answer to prayer. Amen. It's a second chance. Hallelujah. If you feel like you have doubted God, tonight's your night for a second chance. If you feel like, amen, the Lord isn't hearing your prayers, come down to the Lord. Come down to Him. And look at Him as a beautiful baby and say, oh my God, I love you. Every sound you make is perfect. Everything you do is perfect. There's no fault in you, my Lord Jesus. Won't you not look at him like a lion tonight? Not like the king, not like the crucified savior, but rather the new little born baby. It's as beautiful as a sunrise. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's come to visit you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.